actual sermon itself. And again, if you're a visitor here, welcome. My name is Doug Bailey. I'm the senior pastor. Matt McConnell, who is our, our associate and normally leads also our worship, he's gone today, but he'll be back here in a couple of weeks. And you are just welcome here. Glad that you're here. We are, you know, everybody likes a good story. I Hopefully you like a good story. I love stories. I have a DVD collection at home called The Story of Us. And it's the story of the United States of America done really, really well. I watch that from time to time just as a reminder of, of how it is that America came to be. It's called The Story of Us. Well, we're going to do something similar, only we're going to do this. It's called The Story of God in six acts. Now, what that scripture you can't read here, it says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. That's important. We'll talk about that more and more. But what we're going to do over the next five weeks, because obviously six, and this is the first one right here, we're going to take a look at the story of God. We're going to try to explain in very clear language. If anybody says, well, what's God all about? We're going to explain the story of God in six acts, beginning today. But before we do that, and we look to the Word, I want you to remember this. The Bible doesn't tell us all there is to know about God. Please remember that. But it does tell us all we need to know. Now, we try to teach this in our classes. We have our classes on Sunday nights, our Learning for Life classes, and we'll be teaching about the Bible this next year, sometime for the next school year. This is so important. I Get this in your head. The Bible is not there to tell us everything there is to know about God. It cannot be done but the Bible is there to tell me everything I need to know. Which means if it isn't in there, even if it's true, I don't need to know it. Does that make sense to you? There may be, um, maybe, there are lots of things about God that are absolutely true, that are not in the Word of God. But I don't need to know them. If I did need to know them, where would they be? In the Bible, sure, exactly. Because we believe that the Word of God, the Bible, is God's final word to us and says, this is what you need to know. That will be important as we go through this whole series, all right? I was just in London. I mean, talk about a vacation. Remember, Linda won a trip to London through KGW News Channel 8. That was great. I mean, they, it only cost me $4,000 to accept that free trip. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Thank you so much. Because, of course, it, only, it, it didn't cover, and we took Chelsea. You know, and it was our own choice. We had a wonderful time. Uh, got to see all the Olympic venues. It was, it was a blast. But one of the things that we did, I kind of surprised Chelsea and, and Linda with a, uh, a trip to the London theaters, because, of course, we're theater people. And Lin, uh, Chelsea had never seen the play Les Mis. And have you ever seen Les Mis? Oh, my word. Most powerful play. Next time it comes through Portland, I know it's expensive. Go see that play. Just phenomenal. But what I enjoy about it is, is watching how the story unfolds. See, there are elements of a good story, and here they are, and this is what we're going to be talking about over those next six weeks. The elements of a good story. First of all, there is character and setting. There has to be a character, and that character is in a setting. And Les Mis is Jean Valjean, who's the main character, Javert, and others, and they're setting in... in Paris, right around the middle of the 18th century. Then somewhere along the line, there's a little tension that takes place. And then there's a plot that how we're going to resolve that tension. 
And quite often there's an intermission. And guess what? In the Bible and in the story of God, there's an intermission. I'm going to explain that in about three weeks. There is an intermission. We call it the intertestament time when God was very silent for almost 500 years. Then there's a climax. Now, quite often in a good story, the climax comes at the very end. But in the story of God, it kind of comes in the middle. And then comes a series of what we call complications of this plot. Something that we weren't really expecting that complicates what God wants to do. And then, of course, you have to have the happy ending. That's what we're going to look at right there. Act 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Character and setting, tension, plot, little intermission, climax, complications, happy ending. This is the story of God. And we start this morning with a character and setting. Take a look at this passage. You know where we're going to be. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 as well. Here it is. Read it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Let's move on to the next slide as well. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. All right. We're going to reverse the order of this uh, character and setting. We're going to, first of all, talk about the setting of the story of God. And what is the setting of the story of God? It's creation. It's creation. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room for a moment, shall we? Because it's there. Did God create in six days or six billion years? That's the question. I want all of you to say this Hebrew word with me. Say the word yom. Yom. One more time. Yom. Now, this is not a word that, you know, you sit there and you with little bells and you kind of meditate. Yom, 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 yom. This is a Hebrew word. And the Hebrew word yom, because remember, the Bible was not written in English. The Bible was written in lots of different languages. Old Testament was mostly Hebrew. The Old Testament does not use the word day because that's an English word. It uses the word yom. Now, let's talk about that word for a moment. Yom can mean a 24-hour day. It can. And if that's how you want to interpret that, you certainly can. It's no problem. Yom, however, can also mean a long period of time, as it does in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, I believe, where it says, this is the story of the heavens and earth in the day God created. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, it talks about six days of creation. In Genesis chapter 2, it talks about the day. Obviously, the day in Genesis chapter 2 can't mean one day. It means the time period. By the way, that scripture that I showed you, in the beginning God created heaven and earth and the earth was formless and void. Let me tell you something about the word was. It can be, and in many cases it's actually even better to translate the word was to the word became. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth became formless and void. Almost like some huge catastrophe hit this planet. Be it an asteroid that blasted everything or be it the spiritual warfare where Satan is thrown down on top. Something happened to God's creation and it became formless and void. 
Which one is correct? Hear me, because I'm going to tell you. I don't know. But even more importantly, listen to this. I don't care. All right? Um, you know, when we're talking about end times, which we'll be discussing here in a little while, you know, they're premillennials and postmillennials, and, and we tend in the Free Methodist Church to be what we call panmillennials, which just means it's all going to pan out in the end, so don't worry about it, okay? <laughs> There's enough in this life to deal with without trying to decide whether Yom is 24 hours or 2.4 billion years. I don't care. The Bible is not there to tell me how God did it and in what order and how long it took him. The Bible is there to tell me that he did it, that this world didn't, just didn't show up, that, that evolution without God cannot possibly happen. The Bible is there to tell me in the beginning, what? What's the next word? In the beginning, bingo, there you go, that's it. Now, you may believe in six literal days of creation and a young earth about 6,000 years old. Fine, okay. You may believe in a theistic evolution, meaning that God created over a process, but he's still, I, over six billion, I don't, it's fine with me. It's okay. Here, you're welcome, either way. But could I just ask you, please don't come to me and tell me that that if I don't believe in a literal six days, I can't really be a Christian, I can't believe the rest of the Bible, okay? Don't say that to me, because I know I can, okay? Maybe you can't, that's all right, but I can't. So we'll have our differences, and we'll have coffee, and we'll debate them back and forth, and in the end we realize it doesn't really matter. It happened a long time ago, and it was what it was. Whether you fully understand it or not, doesn't matter. All right, are we ready to move on then? That's the elephant. We're done with that one on creation. Here we go. What is what we know. Our Father is the careful creator. He is the force, the driving force behind all of this. And it isn't just haphazardly thrown out there. It is planned. The more you look at creation, the more you, you study science even, you get down to the inner workings of, of, um, of a cell and see how God put it all together. He is the careful creator. The first thing that he does is it creates the universe. And I have got a video for you just to show you how big God is. Let's see if this is going to play for us. It's called the relative size. I'm going to show you this. Let's turn down the lights and let's talk about size. Here we go. Now watch this as it develops. The moon, there's Mercury. Mars, Venus, and here we are. Neptune gets a little bit bigger. Saturn gets bigger than that. Jupiter even bigger. Well, that's nothing though. There's our sun which is one of the smallest stars in the universe. Now we're going to look at larger stars that we know of. Remember, we're that little bitty dot way down at the end over there. Our Father created all of this. We're not even done yet. We're still not done.
Look at that. Amazing. There it is. The largest known star, Canis Majoris. Watch this. Relative size of the Earth. That would be the size of the Earth compared to that star. If the star has a diameter of what? Two point, what is that? Kilometers. A normal passenger jet flying along the surface would take 1,100 years just to go around that star. We're not done yet. I watch this, I get chills. My father made it all. There are a hundred billion galaxies, not stars, galaxies, each with hundreds of billions of stars. Your father made it all. He spoke it into existence. Whether he created with a big bang or he created with a cloud, I don't know. There is an honor to this creator. There is a creator. He is the God who come here this morning to worship, to hear from, to adore. His creation is awesome. And he's planned it all out for the God. Quickly now. Let's cut it right there, all right? Thanks. Man, that's the God you serve. That's the God we worship, the careful creator. This is what he creates, ready? Here we go, quickly. First of all, he creates order. He creates the universe, this is what we saw. Then, then he creates order, okay? That there's chaos in the world and he brings order out of that chaos. He creates life. Life doesn't just happen. It's one of the reasons why I can't just be someone who believes in evolution. Life doesn't just happen because the right chemicals come together. Life happens because God creates it. He also creates a special life. You know what that special life is? It's you and me. He created all these animals and they were alive, but then he does something very special, which we'll talk about in a few moments, to, to bring us life. It's a different, special kind of life. But then he creates also responsibilities. He says to the people what? I'm going to put you in charge of this creation. You will have dominion over everything else. You are in charge of this world that I just made. Quite frankly, we've done a poor job of managing his world. He also creates consequences. And he says to them, look, I'll give you all this freedom. You can do anything out there. You can eat, but this one tree, would you leave that one alone? Because in the day you touch it, something bad's going to happen. And of course, they touch it. That's next week, the tension. He creates consequences. And then the final thing that he does is he creates marriage. This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. And the man and woman were naked and felt no shame. 
we do believe God created marriage. We also believe God created marriage for a man and a woman. Whether or not this country is going to honor and allow same-sex marriages will be an issue left up to the courts, I'm sure, because there's a difference between what the Constitution and the United States will allow and what the Word of God allows. We'll live with that. We do that anyway, by the way. For instance, we're against adultery. We are, aren't we? Okay, good. Just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. But at the same time, there's no law against it. And the Constitution apparently allows people to choose that. See, there's a difference between what we stand for and maybe what our Constitution stands for. The courts will decide all that. We'll have our input and our say, but in the end, it will be the courts who will decide whether or not gay marriage is allowed throughout the country. For us, however, we take a stand that says marriage was created for a man and a woman. And God did it in the very beginning. You see, this is the thing I want you to remember about this creation, the setting that is going to take place for the rest of his story, okay? The setting of his creation is simply this. Our Father's plan is good. He values beauty, enjoyment, and harmony. When God created this world, his plan was a good plan. It was to do something wonderful right here. And when you take a look at all creation, he values beauty, and enjoyment because the word of God says that he created trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Read that sometimes. The first two chapters of Genesis. God created trees that were pleasing to the eye and our father values beauty and enjoyment but also harmony. I want you to note something. We don't have the scriptures up here so you can take a look if you're bored with the sermon already. Turn to, to uh, the end of uh, what's there? Genesis 1 and 2. The animals were not given each other to eat. He looked at Adam and Eve and said, look, I'll give you every fruit-bearing plant. That's all yours. Then he looked at the animals and said, look, you have every seed-bearing plant. That's for you. Never once in all of Genesis 1 and 2 does he say to the animals, oh, by the way, you get to eat each other. What happened? Well, we'll talk about that next week in attention. When this world was created, it was in perfect harmony. God and man, man and nature, God and nature. Perfect harmony. Because that's his value. Could I just tell you something before we move on? It's what he wants for your life too. God created you. And what he's desiring in your life is beauty. And that doesn't mean what you think is beautiful, okay? Because God doesn't look at the outside. And enjoyment, he wants you to enjoy life. And harmony. Harmony with, him, with God, harmony with the people around you. That's what God wants to do in a life. The chaos and the pain of many people in this world is not his plan. He didn't create you for the chaos of your relationships, the chaos of what you're feeling. He created you for the peace and the beauty and the enjoyment and the harmony. That's what he wants to bring into your life. The best way I can describe to you what God did in my life when I received him, what, oh my word, 40 years ago or so, was to bring some harmony and some order out of the chaos that I had created. 
I had no idea what life was about. I was trying all sorts of things to try to figure it all out. My life was in chaos, and slowly my father began to hover over the waters of Doug Bailey, and he began to bring order out of that chaos, and he's still doing it. Because he teaches me what's important, what's valuable, what he wants for us is beauty. It comes from here, guys. And enjoyment, have a blast. God wants you to enjoy life and the things around you. And harmony. God is in the process of creating you right now. Now, I don't mean that you're not coming into existence. Sure, you're there. But remember, the world was existence. But it was in chaos. And he brings order out of that chaos. There's chaos in your life right now, isn't there? Our Father wants to create in you, if you will let Him, over time, order and peace and understanding. So when you walk down the street and after a little while of studying, of living and of being, you go, oh, that's what you want, Father. You ever had that aha moment about something? Oh, that's God bringing order out of your chaos. Oh. And there's a lot of chaos, isn't there? But God is bigger than that. I wanted you to see that relative size so that you understand how big your God is. And if he can bring order out of the chaos of all the universe, he won't even break a sweat in your life. He can do it. If you're willing to... Now, see, creation had no choice. They had to submit to him. You get a choice. So there's the the setting for the story of God that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. The setting is creation right here. Now, we know that there's other settings. We know that God exists in, in heaven. We know the spiritual world out there. That's not the setting. The story of God takes place right here in this setting in creation. Over the next several weeks, we will learn about God and how he works by looking at this world right here. This is the setting. Now we move on and we talk about this. The character of the story, and the character is God. Now, he's not just the main character, understand. He is the character. This is not the story of God and a whole bunch of other people. This is the story of God. My family is a little odd, I know that. One of the few families that I know that we watch the Tony Awards. We don't watch the Oscars and the Emmys. I like to watch the Tony Awards because I really enjoy theater. And they usually will give, in the Tony Awards, a, you know, the, the best actor, and then often, just like, the, I guess, the, the Oscars as well, a best supporting actor. Who is the supporting actor in the story of God? Right answer, none. There is no, there is no supporting actor. Jesus is part of God. It's a trinity. He is God. There is no supporting actor. You are not in any way the star of this show. Not at all. There is no supporting actor. See, the universe is all about, can you guess? God. Hey, very good. Good guess. Yeah. That's who it's about. This whole story is about him. I'm going to share with you right now, and this is going to be worth the price of admission right here, okay? I'm going to share with you the secret to a happy life. Get ready to write this one down. 
and I'm not kidding here, I mean it, this is the secret to a happy life, and here it is right now. The secret to life is not how God fits into your life. It's how you fit into God. And if you don't get that one, you're going to struggle. Talk about chaos. See, what we do is, is somehow we think we're the star of the show. We think we're the character. We think it's all about us. Everything revolves around us. The universe revolves around us. God, how do you fit into my life? How, how do you fit into my world? How do you fit into my way of thinking? What you're really saying is, God, I'm the center. You are the supporting actor. No. Here it is. God won't fit into your life. He can't. You're not big enough to have God fit into your life. The question is, how do you fit into God? He's it. He is the ultimate reality. He is the character. Everything else fits into him. That's what you're really seeking. That's what you're really searching for. Where do you fit into God? There's a place and a plan. See, this is what scripture says. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He is the character. That's why we're calling this the story of God. Not the story of God and his people, or the story of Israel, or the story of the church, or the story of the universe. It's the story of God. It's all about him. We have to learn to set ourselves aside as the starring role and fit into him. You're not the star. You're not even a major supporting player in this story. And if you think you are, I've got something for you right here. This is, I know this may be offensive to some of you, but it is the truth. So offensive or not, here's the reason why you can't be the star. And it's simply this. You know what you are? Or what we are? We are spirit-filled dirt. But we are. Spirit-filled dirt. The first human being in Scripture is named what? Adam. The Hebrew word is, get ready, Adam. That's pretty hard. Say that with me, okay? Adam. Ooh, yeah. What does Adam mean? It means dirt. How did God make Adam? Dirt. Read this. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Adam was Adam. Adam was Adam. How's that? Adam was dirt. God took a little pile of dirt, kind of sculpted it, and then what you have is dirt as a sculpture. But then God did something very special. God himself, this is the only, that's why I said you have that special life, here's that special life. This is the only time that God himself took his own, boy, we're just giving you all kinds of Hebrew words today. Please be impressed that I know this stuff. That's why I get the big bucks. Rauch. Say that with me. Rauch. Now, if you're not kind of coughing something back up here, you're not saying it right. This isn't Rauch. It's Rauch. Hear it. Rauch. Very good. That's good. 
So the next time that you have to clear your throat, just say, well, I'm just speaking Hebrew. <laughs> and it means wind, breath, and spirit. All. He breathed into this pile of dust his very own spirit. And human beings were created. You and I are just spirit-filled dirt. Now, you can either be happy about that and receive that and say, Father, thank you for your spirit that allows me to live. Thank you that I get to be part of this. Or you can resist it and you can say, I'm more than dirt. I'm more than dirt. I'm the star of the show. And what you'll have is chaos and more chaos and more chaos. The harmony and the peace comes when we just simply say, Father... I accept this. If it wasn't for your spirit, I'd just be a pile of dirt. I live because of you. You have shared your very spirit with me. That's how central God is to this story. That's why Jesus could look at his people and say, I am the way, the truth, and what? The life. Do you think you have life apart from me? You're nuts. Apart from me, you're just dirt. But in me, you live. So here, as we, we get ready to, to close this whole thing about this first act, God is that careful creator, and, and, and he's created us, and he loves us, and he's bigger than all the universe, and he brings order out of my chaos and everything else. Here is the central thing we need to remember. It's the greatest miracle. It's the thing that should blow your mind. You're nothing more, and I am nothing more than spirit-filled dirt, and yet, look at this, there is a place and a plan for you and for me. You are spirit-filled dirt, and God says, I have a plan for that dirt. I've got something great for you. I created you. You are not an accident. There's a reason for your existence. I know that reason. He says, come to me, find your place in me. You will know the reason that you exist. There is something for you to do in this world. Take a look at this passage. For you created my innermost being. He's talking to God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And this was long before science was able to tell people exactly how wonderfully made we are. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. We have those little devices. What is it? Those little scans that you can do. Where are you out there, Debbie? You're, you're trained in the, the, the sonograms or whatever, and you kind of get this little vision of our father watched it all he wasn't hindered by flesh you know he watched everything come together then he says this then he says this there you go when i was woven together in the depths of the earth your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I watched you being formed, he says. I was part of the process. 
and I know everything that's going to happen, and I've got a plan for your life. We've had in the last few months so many babies born. It's just amazing. God watched over every single one, and he's got a plan for every. See, here's the secret in life. It's not create, to create your own plan. You're not the creator. It's to find your place in him. He already knows the plan. He knows what he has for you. He knows when you're going to say yes to him and when you're going to say no, and he loves you anyway. He knows that every one of these little babies that were born over the last couple of months are one time going to turn their back on him. He knows it. And he loves them so much. And to all of you parents out there with the little ones, Charles, I'm talking to you right now, okay? Just because I can see you better than anybody else. <laughs> You've got one major goal in life. Help your daughter find her place in God and you got no problems. That's what a parent is supposed to do. Now, many of us, although we don't, maybe we have little kids, maybe we don't, but you do have yourself. So it's very simple. Are you trying to find your place in God? Or are you trying to make God fit into your life? If you're trying to force God into your life, and you're facing chaos, good. You're supposed to. It doesn't work that way. Or, have you come to the place now this morning where you're able to say, Father, you're the story. I'm not, I'm not even a paragraph in your story. This whole thing is about you. All of it. I want to be part of your story. See, that's what becoming a Christian, being a Christ follower, and learning to follow him is really all about. And we'll be seeing that in the weeks to come as we look more at this story. Because this whole story is about him. And we end today with a simple question. Father, show us this prayer. Where do I fit into you? Father, you are the careful creator. We love your creation. We can't even begin to understand your creation. We see that the video like that, and we see the, the relative size, and Father, it's, it's astounding, and yet to say that we understand it and grasp it is nonsense. We'll still go right back to the world in which we live and think that it's all centered around what we do and who we are and where we go this week and our finances and the people we meet, and Father, it's about you. You are the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. This starts with you, it ends with you, it continues with you. You hold everything together. This is your story. We just want to find our place in your story. Forgive us for the times that we have tried to make the story about us and how you fit into us. Oh, Father, that is such small thinking. That is such tiny thinking. It's so human. Oh, Lord, where do we fit in to you? As we continue to unfold the story in the weeks to come, make that clearer, Father. We ask in the name of Jesus.
Amen. Pastor Gene, would you come and lead us in a sailor time as we... Uh...